welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. And if you like board games, you're in the right place for the next 30 minutes. After that, we can't confirm or deny what kind of a place that you will be in. My name is Quentin Smith, and I'm joined today by Tom Brewster. Hi, Quentin Smith. My name is Tom Brewster. Just two people, and today we're going to be talking about one game that I liked quite a bit, but have some caveats. Tom, how do you feel about Final Girl? Pretty much exactly the same. Okay, well, before we get into that uh, juicy kind of like main course, let's have an entree of chat as I ask Tom, Tom, how you been doing recently? Quince, I've been doing fine. My flat is unbearably warm. We're in the middle of a heat wave in the UK, so much so mm-hmm. that my acoustic foam on my walls that makes this podcast sound better is physically dripping off the wall. But Dripping. more... You, wait, wait. Do you mean like the glue is melting? Yeah, then... I, I sort of created a cardboard construction that I've covered in acoustic foam and the glue is physically melting so the things are falling off. Um, right. So if this podcast sounds even more resonant, that's why. But more importantly, Quinns, I'm worried for someone's safety because just outside my window are a bunch of Michael Buble fans who are waiting very, very patiently to see Michael Buble in concert. Um, At the Don't you live next to a or something yeah i do you know we can actually censor out what kind of <laughs> then people you're not doxing me <laughs> actually people can work out where i live based on knowing that michael buble was playing in <laughs> maybe i put another sense of beep in there so people have to like at least do some digging to dox me anyway I love that. yeah i live next to a <laughs> and there are people who are waiting to see michael buble in concert at that place is that is that so wrong is that so strange, unusual, etc.? Well, why are you worried for their safety? It's really, really warm out there, and they are stood in direct sunlight. And as far as I can tell, they haven't had even a sip of water. And they're <laughs> yeah. waiting to see Michael, and I don't know if he's ever going to arrive. Just for the for the record, like I think this concert might start at like 8 or 9 p.m. They are here at 2 p.m., and they have been since midday. Like, wow. the dedication to Michael is unbelievable. You know people queue up for the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast when we go to board game conventions, and like some people queue up really early so they can sit at the front. And those people are my absolute favourite. If you're one of those people listening, you're the best. But I've got to say, I've still, to this day, I've been doing this job for a long time. I don't know what to do with my face if I have to enter the, the room where the podcast is taking place and walk past those people. What do you do? Like, how can you possibly pull a facial expression that acknowledges... You love what we do so much, you're willing to sit on the carpeted floor of a poorly air-conditioned hotel for upwards of three hours. Like, there's no face. There is no face in, the, in, the, in my sort of psychological dictionary of faces. Pleasantly sort of like, smi- wait, hold on, psychological dictionary of faces? That is one That's of the most the- messed up things I've ever heard you say. Let's not get into how I get through life, Tom. Just, it, it's a can of worms. Sting! <laughs> So, recently Tom and I have been playing a board game for just one player. That's right, a solo game called Final Girl. Uh, This is a solo game in which you will take the role of the final girl in a horror movie, uh, which is, if you've seen movies such as uh, Alien, or Halloween, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or, oh god, uh, wait, there's gotta be more. Midsummer, kinda? but it's like a bit of an inversion. Scream. Uh, Without wanting to spoil all of those movies for you, they basically end with one girl left, and that girl defeats whatever evil thing has been running around and gobbling or or knifing or or, or whatever, all of her friends. But more exciting even than, than murder and the battle of good versus evil is the fact that this game is basically an evolution of a board game that I reviewed on the YouTube channel a while back and I rather liked called 
Hostage Negotiator. And that was a one-player game where you, as a hostage negotiator, had to play cards to try and free hostages from the grasp of a abductor who might be evil or might just be having a really bad day. Um, it was thematic and weird and interesting. And now that same card system of players acquiring cards and playing cards and rolling dice has been repurposed um, into the form of a girl, specifically a final girl. And this time around, the big difference from Hostage Negotiator is there's a map. That's right. So where before you would essentially just be on the phone with an abductor and you would be trying to sort of like calm them down so they might release hostages one or two at a time. Now the hostages have been replaced with sort of like innocent bit actors who are scattered around a map and you and the murderer in this game are going to be moving around a map, the murderer smashing hostages on the head, uh, or you trying to like have them follow you and lead you lead them to the exit of the map. Um, at which point they leave and they give you a little buff. And there's two reasons to save the um, the innocent bystanders in this game. The first of which is, as the murderer mashes more and more victims against wall or drowns them in lakes or whatever, um, they are going to empower uh, the villain. Um, whereas you, if you manage to get them uh, off the map and into safety and into the credits of the movie, um, alive, uh, you are going to level up your power. And as if you're playing League of Legends or something, if you <laughs> gradually save enough of them, you will unlock your final girl's ultimate ability, which might be like luring the killer to her or just hitting the killer really, really, really hard. Um, and I, well, to, I like how the ultimate abilities aren't really that ultimate. They just make one of your actions a little bit better. Like I think the base game one just does one more damage. And when the killer has like 11 health, it seems kind of pathetic. One more damage is enormous. What are you talking about? Out of the gate, Tom, I immediately think that you are bad at this solo game. I'm so bad at Final Girl. I've lost, uh, I've played it four times and I've lost three of them. Uh, wow. I'm, and that is, I've played through Hostage Negotiator Career where I was also a terrible hostage negotiator. Like, <laughs> is it fair to say you have not yet got to grips with this system? Because it's a fiddly and weird and... <laughs> An idiosyncratic system. Also, um, I want to say that I have played Final Girl, I think, six times and won three of them, uh, which means that I know this game a bit better than you. And therefore, if you and I disagree at any point on this podcast, mm -hmm. you will have to cede that I'm right and you're ultimately wrong. That's fine. That's fine. I think you are ultimately right about this game because I think that you also agree with me. I think we probably have the same <laughs> opinions, which is great. We can be right together. Okay, well, before we get into the mechanics, let's talk a little bit about how this game is structured. And also, let's apologize to our audience that if we were releasing this podcast um, a few weeks earlier, you would have had the opportunity to jump on the latest Final Girl Kickstarter um, because they released season one, which is what Tom and I have tried, and they've just now... Um, kickstarted season two because the way that this game works and arguably the packaging is the most exciting thing about it and that's kind of a dig but it's kind of not because the packaging is really good um <laughs> you get a core box which contains all the components for the game like you know dice and tokens and some cards um but then the way they release final girl is in a series of what look like vhs tapes they're almost exactly the right size of a vhs tape and each vhs tape contains a new map with new items to collect um and sometimes special rules so you know the maps might be a haunted house like from the poltergeist movies or a sort of summer camp um or uh, the street where uh, freddy krueger lives that kind of stuff and then each vhs if you flip it over and pop the sort of magnetic board off the other side you'll get a different murderer and these can be mixed and match so you could play with like a spooky poltergeist haunting a summer camp for example 
Um, so they've just released season two, and season two is going to add to the game um, a, 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 a box inspired by The Thing, a box inspired by Alien, a box inspired by... Um, what else do we have here? Because I honestly, my favorite thing about this game is seeing the different VHS tapes and what they're on. Oh, there's a spooky cottage with that. Oh, that that incredibly scary movie with Liv Tyler. What's it called? The Strangers. Let me Google it right now. Thrilling podcast action. It's The Strangers. The Strangers probably spiked my heart. Has one scene which spiked my heart rate more than anything. Very, very near the end. Uh, Liv Tyler is really good in that movie. Um, okay, so sorry, I've done my rambling about packaging. Um, Tom, do you want to talk about your first impressions of? Final Girl. I just Googled The Strangers and it reminded me that this, the poster of this movie scared me to my core as a, as like an eight-year-old boy. Um, mm, no, I was 10. Yeah, it's, it's a very spooky, very spooky, uh, it's a very spooky poster. Spooky movie, actually. I can't, I can't remember what your question was now because I've was, been shaken you by The Strangers. The game? Huh? It was just, did you enjoy the board game? Okay. <laughs> Quentin Smith, I did enjoy the board game. I enjoyed it plenty. There's something, like, the theme of Final Girl is, it feels somehow even more immediate than Hostage Negotiator, which already had a pretty front and center sort of, like, thematic consideration. Like, when you were playing Hostage Negotiator, you could picture everything that was happening in your mind's eye. And in Final Girl, like, you can picture it in your mind's eyes, plural. You can see it in 2020 Vision. Like all the cards that you- Is that just because you've got all the little wooden pieces running around a tiny, tiny map? <laughs> Quite possibly. It took me, like, I didn't realize that the map was the difference from the original Hostage Negotiator until you said it on this podcast. I was like, oh yeah, as a map. I'm really doing <laughs> my, my critical legwork here. Yeah, like having a physical space to move around in gives everything much more like tangibility. I think that combines with the cards being like things that you are doing rather than things that you are saying. It's a small yeah. difference, but like in Hostage Negotiator, it will just say like, calm down or really calm down. Uh, whereas the cards <laughs> in Final Girl are like, run away or improvise. I guess even improvise is still a little bit, a little bit thematically stringy. But all of this like flavor text and the cards and the setting and the killers and the victims and all of this stuff. The creates... items as well. The items do a huge job of- Oh uh, yeah. Particular scenes, yeah. I found a Finding bike in a dream, but we'll get back to that <laughs> later. <laughs> I found the keys to a speedboat and went, oh yeah. And then looked at the map and the board state and realized there was absolutely no reason for me to get on a speedboat at any point in the scenario, <laughs> which was like the worst scene in a movie. Um, I, I, before we get onto like specific, because I think probably like me, you have, I have written down in front of me a bunch of funny stories that just happened to me that was so stupid that I have to tell them on this podcast. And that I think is what this game is so good for. Yeah. The combination of, of theme and items and the, the deeply randomized setup and the randomized event deck, which will completely change, like transform the game you're playing, leads to thematic stories and moments that they're good enough that I want to share them with people. But even at the time I was like, this is awesome. And you know, like clapping alone, alone at my dining room table, um, which is very, very nerdy. But the thing I wanted to say, if we're still on the difference briefly um, between this and Hostage Negotiator, this final girl is a lot more thematic, but also a lot more swingy. Yep. Like Hostage Negotiator to me felt like a puzzle game where 
you would try and crack it. It was almost like trying to like figure out how to unlock one of those puzzle boxes of like, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, what's why is my approach stupid? Mm -hmm. Final girl, you can make stupid decisions and still win. Based on the random setup and the events you get, you might get like extraordinarily lucky. And while I gloat over you that I've won three of my six games of this, two of those games were nonsense because of how lucky I got. Yeah, um, I think the one the game that I won, to be fair, was was also mostly luck. Uh, we can get into yeah. that in a bit, though. Yeah, well, um, how did yours work? So I've got <laughs> one of the games I've got written down here. So basically, because the killer kind of, by default, will lope towards victims, um, but those victims can move depending on events. Mm -hmm. And I had a, and also like you can lead them with you if you run into a space with victims, which is, by the way, absolutely like it, it it is painful how slow you move it's like your protagonist in this game caught her foot in a bear trap before you took your first turn and was <laughs> limping around the map for the rest of the game um but yeah i had a game where the killer just couldn't catch any victims it was like a benny hill movie and because in <laughs> in the camp happy trails where you're being chased by just a, a butcher with a pig mask and a sledgehammer um he only gets fast when he starts killing people I was just able to kind of kite him around the map like I was playing World of Warcraft and he never got anyone. And it was absolutely <laughs> terrific. Um, I had the so, complete yes. opposite experience where in, in I thought there was this lovely moment right at the start of my first game, which was on also on this Camp Happy Trails with the Butcher. Um, the very first thing that happened in that game was on the setup card, it had the killer positioned in the lake space on the board. And immediately that produced such like an image in my head of this like <laughs> butcher character wearing this pig mask like rising out of the water. But then very quickly got to work dispatching almost every single victim on the map. I was completely <laughs> inept in that game. One of the cards is called like Horrifying Hammer Rush. And he pulled that out and just whacked four people in one turn. It was it was brutal. Um, I had an amazing turn when I realized that because um, by default, the killer will attack once or sometimes twice in a turn. And But if they're in the same space as you and a victim, they will hammer the victim instead of you. Yeah. Um, so immediately, this is like my second game of Final Girl, I was like, oh, great. So they're basically human shields. <laughs> so for my final showdown, and I've never seen a horror movie where this happens, but the girl who realizes she ultimately has to be the one to kill the killer surrounds herself with like six friends <laughs> who are all... But what happened in my game, it was too perfect because I was like, well, this is kind of evil of me, but whatever. And then... Um, as part of the randomized setup, and this is this is really nice, the, the killer will have like a dark power mm -hmm. and then like a sort of finale, which are randomized and you don't know kind of how your killer's going to act in any given game. But um, when the killer finally burst into this space where I was waiting with my axe and it was going to be a showdown between me and the butcher, um, the butcher, I flipped a card called Sledgehammer Frenzy, which means that <laughs> oh, whenever, God. do you know this one? Whenever no. the butcher, okay, whenever the butcher hits or doesn't attack, the butcher doesn't attack one. The butcher attacks everything in its space. Oh no! So I, just, I just imagine my final girl, who like with her axe that she's found and her bear spray, her bear mace, which she's found, and I'm like, I'm ready. And then I think it's somehow going to keep me safe from a sledgehammer to hide behind 50 kilos of damp lakeside team. Like this is a <laughs> this is a perfect shield. Anyway, just absolutely leathered me, and it was brilliant. It's like that scene in the old boy just goes absolutely to town on this. Oh yeah, group and of teenagers. And no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that scenario as well, with me using my friends as a shield, I think the butcher was the good guy. Um, <laughs> can we can we take a second to talk about um, maybe this? Maybe you didn't enjoy this as much as I did. We haven't talked about this game at all, so this podcast is kind of a delight. Um, did the adrenaline mechanic make you as excited as it made me? Because uh, this is a crazy swing. Is, um, is, that, 
with the adrenaline mechanic, you're talking about the fact that when you're on your last health, you get a whole extra dice, right? You yeah, get to roll but also, that's true of the killer as well. So if the killer is only on one health, you also get an extra dice. If you and the killer are both on one health each, you both you get two extra dice. Oh, wow. Which sounds like nothing, but in the mechanics of Final Girl, a hostage negotiator, that's like absurd. That's like being given the keys to the city. But I have it written down in my notes that because like, there are so many things in this game, so many random events that could ping you for one extra damage. Um, I've written down here, playing with adrenaline for any length of time is like pulling off a really long, cool grind on a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, see, but, I, know, I wish I could agree with that, but I just never managed to get to that stage because I was dead very, very quickly. Like, um, I, I, you know, there's also, so the other mechanic with the, with being on low health in this game is that if you're on your very last health and you take that as damage, you flip over this last health token and on the other side, you might have a little bit more health. So suddenly you're sort of, you know, you're on your last legs. Oh no, you think that she's dead, but then she comes back to life and takes out the killer and it's this big it moment. the perfect um, the thematic interaction for a game about horror movies. Because yeah. it's like, you killed the killer. Are they dead? One in three chance they're not. And it's the same for you. It's like, oh, well, the killer just defeated the girl, but she stands back up. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And, and I thought, here's the thing, in my first game, for some stupid reason, I thought that all of those tokens had a minimum of one health on the back. They do not. So I was like, oh, it's fine if I take this final hit and then just, boonk, immediately gone. Sledgehammered into the head. Incredibly I had a, anticlimactic. I had a very funny, um, my funniest game was after I defeated the Butcher for the second time, I was like, right, you know what? I'm ready to pop open a new VHS, new map, new killer, let's go. And you haven't played with this one because I didn't give it to you because um, we've divided these boxes up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played the Poltergeist yep. and the map in the Poltergeist level is awesome because it's it's a cross section of, of like a four story house. Oh. So you can like, yeah, so you, you can go up to the attic or you can jump out of the window, but not go back that way. <laughs> That's incredibly um, cool. Yeah, and there's like, um there's like a ladder leaning on the side of the building, but then half, it seems like half of the event cards in the game are like, ooh, that is broken. <laughs> um, so, but the poltergeist is really funny because um, I you get, the poltergeist doesn't have health. Ooh. So like all the other mechanics of Final Girl are like, go quickly, find a weapon, find the, the murderer and knife them and try and survive. Um, but with the poltergeist, it doesn't have health. Instead, you have to find the girl who the poltergeist is haunting and get her out of the house. And the girl is just in one of the item decks that are scattered around the house. So initially I'm like, well, this is great. I'm going to use all my cards, throw away the short rest, throw away the defense cards. I'm just going to sprint through this house, grabbing people and going, you have to leave immediately. <laughs> um, what happened then is, I will I will spoil this lightly. Turns out the Poltergeist deck is full of stuff, which is the Poltergeist bringing other things to life that leather you. Oh. Um, so like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, okay, well, I don't need a weapon here. And then immediately a creepy doll bursts out of a bookshelf and starts like <laughs> absolutely shanking me. But the best thing that happened in that, and I think the ultimate example of like why Hostage Negotiator is funny and just like deeply unfair and like why that's such a difference from Hostage Negotiator um, in the game, I got two people to the window because obviously, you know, I need to get them out of the house. I need to save them. I'm the final girl. Um, and then I drew an event card, which is just like lightning. Lightning hits you and all spaces adjacent to you. So I was like shepherding these victims out of the house. And I kind of, I, I put them in like a perfect cross formation ready for evacuation. And then lightning just nuked them all. And let me tell you, when you're in a house and you haven't leveled up at all because you haven't saved anyone and it's just you and the killer, it like it's just so frightening. I will say that this game is 
genuinely frightening at times or not i don't know frightening might be a touch generous but like tense if it, it feels tense if considering it's a game about horror movies it feels just about a, a one-player game where you're sat alone a solitaire game about horror movies i feel like it gets as close as possible to being scary like yeah. i can't imagine it being scary your trembling hand flips over a card that increases the terror to a horrible level so you don't get to roll all those chunky dice ever again. Yeah, I, I, then, can, I can see it. And, and then, you know, are you going to sleep as easily that night? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you, you might be thinking about the fact that you wanted to roll two dice and you only rolled you only one. to roll one. Oh, the dice rolling is really good. The dice the rolling dice is roll- really good. For those who aren't familiar with Hostage Negotiator, it's exactly the same as in that game where you have the sort of your baseline is you roll two dice... Two sides have nothing on them. Two sides have successes, which mean that you're probably going to achieve the thing you want to achieve in some capacity if you roll one of those. The other two sides have, you can discard two cards to create a success, which is absolutely horrible when you roll it. I've never had that decision really be easy because every card is just so useful, especially because you can bin them to get more time, time being the thing you use to purchase more cards. Like the card play and the dice rolling kind of combine in this way that is really quite like chunky. The way that you have to manage what cards you're going to get back for free because some cards are zero cost, but if you spend them all in one turn, you don't get them back until not next turn, but the turn afterwards, which is brutal. And then shopping around for these big expensive cards and then maybe being forced to discard them for a success that you really need. Just so much good juice in that system that is like, it's just so clean, the design there. It's Um, just, it's very peculiar to play. I mean, like generally the history of card games or like cards in board games is you play a card and something cool happens. Hostage Negotiator and Final Girl are like, you play a card and then you roll the dice and then you frown and go, oh, that's not what I wanted at all. (laughs) Um, and suddenly you look at the board and it's like, well, if I, uh, I, uh, I could throw away this card that I've been holding for two turns because it's so useful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I will say that, like, I, I keep comparing this to Hostage Negotiator, which is maybe not super useful to people who want to hear about Final Girl. But on the other hand, you know, we recommended Hostage Negotiator. Mm-hmm. There's a whole big video you can see on the site, so I don't think it's too you know, irrelevant. Um, But it feels to me like in Hostage Negotiator, I generally, slowly, the more I played it, the more I built up a pattern of what I wanted to do and how it was best to play. The thing I really appreciated about Final Girl, and we're being so kind about it that I think you and I are both saving criticisms that we're going to get to in about a few minutes. Does that sound right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay, I don't know. Um, But the thing I really liked about Final Girl is based on the layout of the map, based on where the killer is, or most importantly, what items you have, because those items are nuts and there's loads of them. Um, if you will be in situations where you might not play a card you would have otherwise, or you'll play a card and look at the dice and be like, well, actually, maybe I can afford to to fail this check. Like it made the problem, if not a problem, but one of the quirks of this game is that it's very random. The, the game setup can make it too easy or completely unfair. Um, but one of the nice things about that randomness is that it means I was constantly thinking. I was constantly looking at the board and readapting my plan I, I never really felt like, um, what's the word? I never felt like any decision came to me naturally. And for a solo game, I think that's brilliant. I was always sort of fascinated by what this weird humming m- machine full of gears in front of me would do next. That's it's, it's interesting to me because I my kind of issue with the game across the four that I played was that kind of the opposite where... A lot of my games had the same sort of trajectory. I felt like the game is is almost impossible to, to really get your teeth into if you're only ever rolling two dice. So you always want to try and get the terror nice and low so you can get three dice. But it meant that often the start of my games 
were kind of stayed and similar, unless there were some, you know, victims that were in immediate danger and needed to be rescued ASAP, I would often just spend the first few turns trying to sort of calm the final girl down to then be able to get those three dice and then use them. So the openings felt quite familiar. And then you do have to adapt to things along the way. But I certainly felt like the racing line in this game, which could be I could be completely wrong. I lost a lot of games. I was going to um, say, you lost 75% of your games, but you have a <laughs> winning strategy. Is that right, Tom? <laughs> yeah, okay. Now I realize I might be talking out of my ass. But it does, doesn't it feel, though, that you do need to get three dice? Like, it feels kind of a waste to be... Like, a lot of the actions in the game are kind of relying on you having a higher chance of getting those two successes. So getting a third dice feels, like, monumental. Um, in the same um, way that it, losing one might, or, or gaining or gaining one when you're on that last health, you know? Yes, yes, it does. Um, my problem with that is that um, if the killer starts killing people, and statistically they will, mm. you know, it, it, they are the deck. Their deck is built to have them run around the map killing people. Very quickly, you're going to push your horror meter up out of the three dice range. Yeah. Um, and without getting into the weeds of uh, how exactly this game works, because I think it's going to be it was just insufferably boring to the people listening if you push it into the three dice range and then the killer pushes it back out you have wasted your turn and cards and energy and time yeah whereas if you what i the way i start my games is i run around trying to save victims and get items because those things are permanent Mm. um and that's how i got my 50 percent win rate thank you very much (laughs) but it it does also feel though at the same time like it feels like a waste when you're playing a card like a, a walk or a sprint that only lets you move one space. It feels like a waste to not be sort of like juicing the most that you want out of those actions, which is why I feel like that's the racing line. But also could be completely wrong. The thing is that strategy worked very effectively, but it only worked in a game where everything sort of like ended up going my way on the event cards. Well, that's it. That's what I like about Final Girl is that um, I think it's a game about looking at what the random engine spits out based yeah. on random setup, random events. By the way, the events in this game are awesome. Um, it's almost a shame <laughs> that you only get one or sometimes two per game. I had a great one in the um, in the first game I played where like the event was that I had a girlfriend who was mm. a special colored meeple who started the game with me. And as long as she was in my space, I got to roll an extra dice. But if she died, the horror meter went up by five. Jeez. Um, yeah, so immediately I'm like, oh, okay, well, this completely transforms the game. Or yeah. in another game, you know, there's just an axe waiting at the top of an item deck on the other side of the map. I'm like, okay, never mind the horror meter. I'm going straight there to pick up that axe. Or if there are victims that I should save. Or if the killer is right next to me, then it's like, <laughs> I, I'm going to leave. You know, I, yeah. I think entirely based on the totally random sort of like constellation of effects in front of me, I would make completely different decisions. And you know what, going back to your thing about this game feeling as close as possible to actively being scary, one of my favorite things in the whole game is that when you have a strategy, but something real bad happens and you feel like you're losing your cool, like (laughs) there's this physical mechanic of lowering the horror level, which lets you roll more dice, but there are moments when like, you know, that horror level will tick up a little bit too much for you. And then you'll go, oh, well, maybe I should roll these dice and do this card instead, which will maybe do this and help me. And then you realize like you've lost the game already. You've done something silly because you got stressed about a number going down too quickly. Well, the a number going I- down too quickly is probably one of your friends being murdered, but still. <laughs> the thing I will do um, and have done multiple times in Final Girl is if I play a card like an attack, let's say, you know, it's 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 all building up to this big turn. I've got two attack cards. I've got, you know, a weapon which will augment my attack, whatever. Um, and then I run into the space with the killer, play the first attack card and completely botch it. Yeah. Um, or like if I roll that symbol on the dice, which is like burn two cards to get a success, I'll be frustrated. 
And very, very quick, and you do this in solo games, I find. Like, I'll be like, ah, oh, whatever. Play card, play card, you know, to, like, get the success. Or, like, ah, mm. oh, I'll play another card and then roll the dice again. Kind of like a gambler on tilt who's like, oh, I didn't want that. And then unthinkingly <laughs> rush into the next dice roll because that will let me feel better. That yeah. will let me chase away the, like, oh, I'm incredibly annoyed that... I tried to stab a murderer and it didn't work. So I'm going to do it again. It's like, no, if it doesn't work, maybe leave the space. Like maybe yeah. take a breath, relax, change your plan. I had a magnificent game. That game I was telling you about where the murderer just couldn't catch a victim. Mm -hmm. um, I was on literally the other side of Camp Happy Trails, the other side of the lake in a garage going through, ooh, an energy drink that's going in my pocket. Ooh, some fireworks. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep then. Ooh, key to a yacht. That's completely useless, but whatever. And I thought I had all the time in the world. And then the, 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 the terror card that got pulled, which determines what the villain does, was titled, Oh No, He's Right Here. <laughs> and it was like, wherever the killer is, it immediately goes into the final girl space and attacks the final girl. And it was so perfect. It was yep. so like, it, it was so horror movie. It was so like, well, we haven't seen that killer for an hour. So he's probably gone. Oh! And... <laughs> <laughs> just started hammering people. It was it was it was truly terrific. It was really really great. I had a, a similar experience with one of the killers um, whose map is called the Sacred Grounds, and the kind of vibe is that there's this sort of ritual going on, and that these sort of various teenagers are kind of disrupting this like sacred space. Um, they have a thing called Killer Wrath and Divine Wrath, which they can invoke and do something really bad with. The thing that happened in that game, something very similar, because the final girl and the uh, victims were just sort of like hanging out in this space, going around the sacred grounds. I was taking a pretty laissez-faire attitude about getting them out of there. Sure, it's invoking some <laughs> incalculable wrath stat that's going up. And then I realized that the, the track that I was increasing, I looked across and was like, oh no, this is making the killer move wicked fast when they move. <laughs> so this killer that was just stood on this one space sort of watching, just like, I think they got up to like four movement and just zapped themselves wow. into the space. Bah, 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 murder everything and, and <laughs> run away. Horrifying. But as much as the game can really deliver these moments, which feel like they could, they almost feel like planned in how concise and thematic they are. They can also completely fall flat on their face. Like I played another game with Dr. Fright, who is the kind of Freddy, the, you know, Freddy Krueger with the serial numbers filed off. Um, right. on, on Maple Lane. Dr. Fright. <laughs> Maple Lane. Okay, great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And no notes. Dr. Fright, um, there's a mechanic on that board called convincing, where all of the spaces that are searchable are houses. But the only way you can go into that house to search is you need to convince the people in the house to let you in. Um, which is a separate <laughs> card you need to play and you need to get certain successes for them to be like, all right, come in, and then you can have a search. Um, the problem with that game is that like I made it into the first house. I got like a bite. Oh, no, no. I made it into the first house, had a search, left, and I was wandering around the streets trying to get into the next house. But there's another mechanic with Dr. Fright, which is you can only fight him in the dream world um, because he's Freddy Krueger. That's the only space you can sort of tangibly go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. There's a sleep mechanic, so you can only... You have to go to sleep oh, at certain like times. That. Okay. Yeah, you have to play a, a short rest card in order to go to sleep. What I didn't... Oh, cool. The, the card that heals you. That's fun. Yeah, exactly. What I didn't realize, I thought that was the only way you'd enter the dream world. You go to sleep and then you're ready to go and fight him and you can bring all your stuff and you can, you can mess him up in the dream world. I didn't realize that some of the events just randomly make you go to sleep. So I knocked on the door <laughs> and then immediately fell asleep outside of the flat. And then the people eventually, they let me in in the dream world, but not in the real world. And I found a dream bike. It was a bit silly. Like it wasn't really That's quite... A cohering in a theme. I mean, to be fair though, the cool thing about horror movies is like, 
famously, you know, a good horror movie is really good, but horror movies are also a genre where like, like no one wants to watch like a bad thriller, but yeah. bad horror movies are like a source of joy and love all of their own. Mm. So like when Final Girls, Girls theme works, it's like, wow, this is just like a horror movie. And when it doesn't work, it's like, wow, this is just like a bad horror movie. <laughs> In my opinion, I don't know, you, your mileage might vary. Um, the thing, my criticism that I was gonna say, my big problem with it is yeah. like, I was really enjoying Final Girl and I defeated the butcher a couple of times and I was like, okay, I'm ready to move on. And I, there is a lot of variety in the different boxes. There are different ideas, there's different monsters. There are, you know, the different events are huge and there's tons of them. But like, I don't know why this was so disappointing to me, but the item decks have a lot of crossover. Like, you, you know, when I when you first play Camp Happy Trails and you're like, oh, cool, there's a axe and there's a map and there's fireworks or whatever. And then discovering a lot of those, there's an energy drink, for example, and discovering those same items in the next map, mm. I found out that those cards were doubled up and that really disappointed me. And it shouldn't have done, right? Because there is lots of new content in one of these boxes. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something about the way that this game is structured that just bummed me out a little bit. And that's especially weird because Hostage Negotiator has one of the weirdest structures of all time, where if you go and watch our video review on YouTube, it's like, you know, you can take on different abductors or you can do this like $200, I own all the expansions, career mode, which is absolutely unhinged. Um, but Final Girl, I felt, unlike like Hostage Negotiator was difficult enough that I wanted to go back to it and back to it because it was really just challenging. But the way that Final Girl is so... I mean, for use, for want of a better word, random, meant that I could defeat a killer and feel like I was kind of done with that box and then move on to the next box. And so because the difficulty wasn't coaxing me on, I really, really needed full variety. And when I realized like the different boxes are inventive, but they're not seismic, they're not completely different. Um, I felt pretty disappointed and I realized I was relying on just seeing new content to keep me interested in the game. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that because, and I think this is coming from my sort of like problem with, with, with being in the position of trying to give a review of like a solo game, because every time, especially with these particular kinds of games with Hostage Negotiating with Final Girl, I just get given them by you in this sort of odd experience package. It's like suddenly it's <laughs> yeah. like, now I'm just going to spend a few evenings doing this weird thing that I've been given you know by Quinn. You know what it is? I play it because I quite like Van Ryder's solo games. And then I go, I need someone to talk to them about them with. <laughs> so I go, Tom, I know you came over to here to play like Dead Reckoning or whatever, but I need you to go home with these this this weird box of stuff, experience it, <laughs> and then talk to me about it. Yeah, um, and, and I do and, enjoy them. I do enjoy them a lot, but it just definitely feels like something I would not be doing outside of Outside of work? Them. That's cutting. It is cutting, but it's also true. I think they're fun. I, I think that I think they are very fun, but I think for me, like all of my solo games that I enjoy, I enjoy like basically playing like sprawled on a sofa or lying in bed, like Railroad Inc. is a perfect example. That's a game that I would do for fun because I don't have to sort of like sit at a table or a desk to to play this sort of like <laughs> thing that I have to set up and tear down. And you know, it's actually kind of telling that maybe my favorite experience of uh, playing this game was playing Final Girl with my housemate sat opposite me on the other side of the table and him just right. absolutely roasting me for every single decision I was making. But then also <laughs> him getting captivated enough by the systems that we ended up basically playing it co-op. And I think that's like, we've got a review of Spirit Island that should be going up on the site. I think it went up 
I mean, it will be up last week by the time of recording, where there's this sort of chat in that about the, the co-op games that I like are the ones where everyone sort of decides together what they're going to do. Not games where sort of one person takes their turn, then they pass it on to the next player, takes their turn. I want that like everyone has input on everyone's turn all of the time. You're basically playing like a hive mind. You can kind of do that with Final Girl. You oh, yeah. kind of play the different sides of the brain um, and sort of co-op or... Uh, roast your way through one of these experiences. Um, well, then, I mean, I wonder what this game would look like if it was multiplayer. Like, is there a reason that this game is, or like this system of like using time to buy cards and spending the cards to roll dice and then failing the dice rolls and having to <laughs> push your plan into a bin? Is there a reason that this system is is stuck to solo? I mean, it, it feels right for a solo game, yeah. but now I'm wondering if they could somehow like expand it to a i honestly i think the real reason it's a one player only thing is because it's so idiosyncratic and it takes you a while to figure out how mm. to possibly win yeah i feel like it's less suited to multiplayer because then just everyone would fail and there would still be a winner whereas i think what the system is really good at is players look at it and frown and then say how does, how does this work and then they fail <laughs> and fail and fail it, and it is a really good a puzzle game. it's a re- it is like and i do think maybe it's a bit harsh saying that i wouldn't play it outside outside of work uh, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> feel like work to play it's like a very very fun thing to go and sit down and like scratch your head about this weird thing the fact that i haven't won i think that's so telling that i haven't i haven't won it yet but i'm still i i think i will play more of it um more so Did than maybe say- hostage negotiator well, yeah, Hostage Negotiator, I think, is is the rawer, less refined form of the puzzle. And then this is more like a game because there's a story and there's items. There's a bear trap that you can put in the front of the... I had a great... I, I found a, a bear trap and bear mace. And both <laughs> have a similar effect that when the killer enters your space, you, they, they get hit by the item. So it's like the, hill t- the killer took some steps towards me into the cottage I was hiding in, steps in a bear trap. <laughs> and I run out the... Run out the cottage to the next space and then he walks out of the thing and i spray him with bear mace and he goes ah um that was that was that was great those were a really good there's, there's lots of uh, yeah I, I feel like there's just so much stuff like that like i was just thinking about i played a game against the birds um yeah i wanted to ask you about this this is a scenario pack they did which doesn't have a new map it's just a little deck of cards that means the killer is replaced by some birds yeah just a huge number of killer birds it kind of turns <laughs> the game into sort of a bit like pandemic uh, you lose if either you die or if there are three birds on every single space of the board. Wow. Um, and the way they, you know, they sort of spawn onto the board. If there is a space with three birds, then they move into the next space along and then that could trigger a sort of cascading birdemic, if you will. Um, <laughs> there's also like the, instead of, obviously there are birds all over the map. They do not kill on their own. They only kill when they're in those packs of three. Um there was something and the way that you win is by ushering all the victims and then the special victims off the board which then spawn only when the regular victims are gone but then like again the theme was just absolutely bonkers because the the board starts with a sort of mostly normal number of birds on it especially considering you're in like the woods but immediately the very first card that i drew was they're everywhere and i immediately gained a shed load of terror from looking at like seven birds um it's just truly bizarre and then like yeah the the sort of dramatic finale of that game was me fending off you know fending off a whole bunch of birds getting this special victim sort of to the exit fending off a whole cloud of birds with nothing but an axe (laughs) incredibly funny mental image of swinging an axe around in the sky 
I love that. I have a I have an emotional response when I find that axe card because it's the <laughs> thing I've used to kill. I think every time I've won the game, it's been with an axe. Um, I had a the dumbest theme interaction I had in the Poltergeist mission. Like I say, it's a four-story house that you're viewing from the side. So a lot of the game is trying to get out of the entrance and then you can use things like ropes and ladders to evacuate from the high-level windows. Mm. The event I drew for my second game against the Poltergeist was like uh, basically helicopter escape, which meant, I don't know what happened in the movie up to this point, but it meant I knew there was a ghost. I had to get the baby girl out of the house to stop the ghost from going nuts. Um, but there was a helicopter on the roof, so I could lead victims to the roof and out of the roof. But you can only do that once, because then right. the helicopter flies away, right? So I was like ushering more and more victims, not victims, yes, victims, yeah. that's what they're called, more victims into the attic so I could do this big, okay, everybody into the chopper, now, 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 <laughs> like I'm like I'm in some kind of combination between Poltergeist and Rambo. Um, <laughs> and then I drew a tarot card, which, was, which just read, there's something in the attic, and the, and the text said... Um, from this point on in the game, anyone in or entering the attic is instantly killed. <laughs> and it's like, again, that's not not like a movie because in a horror movie, it's like, oh, phew, thank God the helicopter's here. Yeah. And then something comes out the attic and just mauls everybody. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a very silly game. I, I, I wanna I really feel like that specific theme interaction nails down like whether or not you will like this game is whether you will tolerate that exact thing happening. No way to predict it. Huge swing, <laughs> but a very, very good story. Yeah, yeah. And it does... I tell you what, after that game, I was genuinely afraid of the poltergeist, which is awesome. Yeah, that's very I cool. think, you know, what I would have just loved to have seen in this is like not even necessarily a campaign. Like they've got a scenario book, which is really cool, um, that I think is sent to you if you back the Kickstarter. Don't quote me on that. Um, but where it's like, okay, first off, play with this monster. And like, it, it tells, the randomized setup, it tells you to do specific things. Scenario book says, okay, first off, play on Camp Happy Trails with the Butcher, do this setup card and this dark power. Mm. And then that, and then it gradually lets you scale up and also try different killers in different um, areas. Um, for me though, I don't know. I think what, makes me hesitant to recommend it. If you've got, if money's no object and this sounds fun, great, you know, grab it next time it's on Kickstarter or you, from Van Ryder's site. But to me, like $20 for the core set and then $20 for every map and villain mm. is just a little high. Um, I mean, not, not high necessarily for a solo game. I don't think, I think if you love solo games, you know, by all means support the publishers, spend the money. But like, I don't like having to just buy like one set of Final Girl for $40. And I don't like buying a whole season for like a hundred dollars. Yeah. That's a bit it's it's a little too collectible. You know what I mean? It's a little too not manipulative exactly, but like goodness gracious, I wish this was I wish it was structured in a slightly different way. Yeah, the the uncharitable way of looking at it is to say it's like collectible and meant to exploit that part of your brain that's like, I want to have them all and, and, and that sort of thing. The charitable way is to say that at least it's modular so that you can have a little dip into the system. And like 40 quid, you know, it's not a heinous amount to pay for a for a game. You know, you will buy yeah. you will spend that much on, on a solo video game. But for sure, it, it will have less replayability or will have less sort of in it, I suppose. Um, yeah, and which, I do is, which is, a, you know, isn't the, the nicest or kindest or most accurate way to look at things is like, how many pounds per hour am I getting out of this product? Um, but I can definitely see that like only having one killer and one location for 40 quid might not be enough to say a lot of people. I think Van Ryder Games would, would not think we're being uncharitable here. I think this is fair. And I, yeah, 
It does. I mean, I will say it's a really nice production. We haven't actually talked about this yet, but you know, like the, well, some of the later VHS tapes aren't as nice as the others, but generally <laughs> speaking, the packaging, the way it's structured, and then receiving a whole season of like five locations and five killers, or yeah. like, who knows, if you really are into solo games, having like 10 locations and 10 killers, which is what they're up to with season two, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, Tommy, I can I can hear that part of your brain that likes expansions literally expanding in real time. <sighs> but you know what? You know what? It's, uh, I, I don't know if I'll be, I don't know if I'll be keeping this. A lot of my experience with solo games is just play them and then let them go, by which I mean give them to you and say, you have to play this so I could talk about it with you. <laughs> so uh, up on the YouTube channel last week now, as Tom mentioned, is our video review of Spirit Island. Uh, I'm not in it. It's Tom and Matt. Is that right? Is that yeah. Collab time. Okay. Well, like, I'm just relieved that you were able to resolve this problem without me. Because, like, everyone in Shut Up and Sit Down's audience really likes when we do a double review where where generally team members disagree. Yep. I don't know why. They get a huge kick out of it when two of us are like, I think you're wrong to like this game. You're an idiot. And you've got no class. <laughs> um, but the, the problem with that that the people who enjoy the video reviews might not know is that when we disagree about a game, it does put us in a weird space for what kind of content we're going to... Is it going to be a podcast discussion? Is it going to yeah. be a video review? Um, so you were able to navigate that and you decided that Spirit Island was worth a video review after all? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it was Matt who was very passionate about doing a Spirit Island video review because like, we played it and we're like, oh, this is good. And it is it is really good. Like, I think that... Uh, we make a joke about it in the video that I think the comments going to be like, man, I don't really understand why Tom hates Spirit Island so much. I don't. I really like the game. We did a podcast <laughs> about it where I was super positive. I just think that like, similarly to how you feel about Final Girl, I feel like I'm pretty done with Spirit Island. I've We've played, uh, you know, a set number of games. I think I've played about six or seven times. And I was like, I'm I'm done now. Um, and, and that's it. But Matt wants to really drill into all those systems and finds it sort of like very rewarding every single time. Um, so I guess that, you know, I don't know if I did fully resolve that problem that we had where people like vehemently disagree about a game because I don't think we do. Like me and Matt both really quite like it, but I, I'm glad that we got to weave in some of those negatives into the video so that people might know if it's like the kind of game for them. Yeah, this is so um, uh, in character for me, but I, I, I didn't come in there when, I, when it was correct for me to do it on a podcast because I was actually staring at a picture that shows all 10 episodes of Final Girl in a line. <laughs> uh, and you can see them, and they all have the same logo. Yeah. It's, it's a different Final Girl. And there was a, a tiny little bit of drool dribbling out the corner of your mouth. Yeah, basically. Basically. I've realized my problem with it, right? My problem is that it's not an escalating difficulty, or it certainly doesn't feel that way. It, so it, it did feel that way to me. But maybe, I, you know, I think, I know what you mean, that like each one is like, here is a new set of systems but they're not that you know you could jump in at any one theoretically um but maybe maybe you're just too good at games quins maybe that's the problem you know i can i can tell when you're trying to get rid of me you're probably fading up the shut up is down podcast exit music now maybe you're just too much of a pro maybe you're just worried that if we you don't cut me off i'm going to learn about something from how good at games quins like just a really long time tom i love expansions and i'm not going to apologize Bye. for it <laughs>